When I was a little girl, my grandmother would start her day at the kitchen table with a cup of coffee. And when I would wake up, I would join her at that table and we would talk, we would laugh, and I would listen and I would learn. Sometimes she would talk to her girlfriends and I would soak it all in. They talked about life, they talked about love, but mostly she talked about being ferociously her, being her authentic self in a world that didn't always accept who she was, how she was, or that she was. But she didn't let that stop her. She made shift happen anyway. My granny's not with us anymore, but that doesn't mean the laughing and the learning has to stop. Join me, ladies and gentlemen, at my kitchen table, and let's keep talking shift. You're listening to Talking Shift, the podcast, with your host, Marissa Q. Payne. Talking Shift is a trademarked production of Marissa Q. Payne International, your source for coaching and consulting when you need a major shift in life or leadership. Have bag, we'll travel. <laughs> for more information, visit marissacupain.com. Get you some good friends when you're going through your shift. That's the message here. For now, listen, learn, and laugh with your host, Marissa Q. Payne. Emphasis on at the moment. Welcome back, family, to Talking Shift, the podcast. I am your favorite host, Marissa Q. Payne. Super excited for another deep dive behind the curtain discussion about what it takes to make shift happen. My guest today, Lindsay Walker, is a powerhouse in the PR game. She is the brilliance behind Walker Associates Media Group. She is an author. She's a beauty. She's a joy to be around. Imagine being at the top of your game, building your dream, making shift happen, and then being diagnosed with stage four cancer at the age of 27. When I say she's a powerhouse, I mean she's a powerhouse. And so she has kicked cancer in the teeth and is now fighting pain with passion, defeating all the odds. And I am super, super excited to go behind the curtain and hear about this shift. Welcome, Lindsay, to Talking Shift. Yay. Thank you for having me. <laughs> what What's it like having that kind of introduction, girl? I'm just, I feel like I could have been like a comedian that like call people out the hype person. But yeah. then, you know, <laughs> yeah. do you resonate with that? Like, does it feel like you or you're like, who is she talking about? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, sometimes I'm like, yes, that's me. And as uh-huh. I was listening today, I was like, oh, yeah, that is me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, of course, you know, here we, we like to talk shift. I usually start just by, you know, digging right in. And, and I... I don't want to necessarily assume that diagnosis was your biggest shift today because, you know, life is always shifting. But yeah. I'd love for you to just kind of introduce yourself in your own way and, you know, tell us what what big shift has been the game changer in life for you. Yeah. As I said, just 
that introduction is always like, wow, God is just so amazing and he's so powerful because I never would have imagined that that would be anywhere close to an introduction that someone would give me, uh, both because of the pro of it and also because of the con of it, because it's something that Mm -hmm. I did have to endure and something that I did have to go through. Right. And that I will say is where the shift began that Mm -hmm. where it started for me because I had to come to a moment and understand that sometimes in life we are not always in control of the things that happen to us but we are in control of how we choose to journey through those things and so that's what started a shift for me as far as okay all of the things that I thought were impossible before that became like dire to make possible. So that started a shift for me. Wow. That's good already. (laughs) Became dire. Tell me more about that. You know, sometimes when you're just living your life and you, you know, you go through things and you're like, oh, I can, I can brush that off. It's no big deal. And then something hits you and Mm -hmm. it's like, this isn't a brush off thing. This is something that I have to endure. And because I have to endure it and because I have to go through it, now what I once considered to be an option for my life and to be an option for me, I now have to make sure that I I do my best to live it out loud once mm-hmm. I get over this whatever the hump is or whatever the situation is, it becomes Mm -hmm. imperative for you to see your dreams made manifest. And for me, when I say manifest, I mean allowing God to manifest those things. But I became in a position and in a space where it's like, no, I have to, once I make it on the other side of this, I have to see it through. Mm, Got it. So, you are, you know, PR is your area of specialty. And I'm I'm curious, I feel like, you know, many public relations folks, you know, they get paid to bring attention to other people. I imagine as you were, you know, going through the diagnosis, getting treatment, et cetera, that you were now in a position where you were getting attention. Was, how was that for you? You know, I recently had someone uh, reach out and just like ask me, you know, how are you? I've been following the journey. And at the time that I decided to share with people, I didn't even think about that, to be quite honest. The only reason Mm -hmm. why I decided to share was because I knew that people would have questions. I knew that because I'm an entrepreneur and because I'm a publicist, I couldn't just be quiet. Like I had to let people know what was going on because it also affected my business uh, Mm -hmm. very severely at the time. And so, yes, it brought attention, but it brought people that I never imagined connecting with that were there for me that really, really helped to, you know, pray for me and support me during that time. Mm -hmm. Got it. 
So you said that was the beginning. So how long ago has it been now? And what else has shifted since then? Yes. So um, it has been almost five years, which is such a blessing to say, because at one point I did not even see how I was going to get past these six months of chemotherapy that I had to do. But it's been five years. And I mean, a ton of shifts a ton of shifts has happened, have happened during that time. I learned so much about what was possible for myself. I learned mm-hmm. that it's possible to be grateful and to grieve at the mm-hmm. same time and that it's mm-hmm. possible to grow as you're grieving. And I think like that was the biggest shift for me because I always felt like it had to be one layer, right? Like it could mm. be multidimensional. You're either grateful or you're grieving or you're growing when really, no, all of these things can happen at the same, at the same time. time. Uh, yeah. whew, Lord have all the mercy. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Man, that's good. That's good. Gratitude as a practice is a game changer for sure. Yeah. And and to hear you say that, you know, even with a state, not just right stage four diagnosis, that's not lost on me that you were still practicing gratitude while simultaneously grieving. And yet in the midst of that, I'm still growing. Tell me more about the growth. So the growth for me started with realizing and understanding and it's always so funny when I say this and, and God is just so funny, but it started with me realizing the gift that I am because mm-hmm. before that, I think I always knew, of course, like I'm intelligent, well-educated, all of the things, but I didn't really understand the gift that it is to have access to me because I wasn't setting clear boundaries. I wasn't setting boundaries in my business. I wasn't setting boundaries in my life. I was not Mm. being kind to myself. And so Mm. I think that that a part of the growth there started with me understanding like, no, you are a person. You deserve boundaries. You deserve self-care. You deserve to take a day off from working. The clients will wait. If they don't, whatever else comes along with that will just be what it is. And no longer compromising myself for the sake of my business or for the sake of anything else. Mm. Yeah, health. um scares definitely have a way of lifting up, prioritizing ourselves. Those are usually wake up calls. What was I was thinking about the mental fortitude that it must take to persist (laughs) because you were an entrepreneur prior to the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. You're still an entrepreneur. Yes. That's impressive. (laughs) How did you persist? It is not easy. Yeah, no, it's definitely not easy. Um, For me, you know, I'm a Jesus girl all day, Mm. every day. And for me, I had to tap in 
to God. I had to tap into Jesus. I had to tap into Holy Spirit because literally I would have failed. I would have just said, you know what? Let me throw in the towel right now. And it's weird because I tell people all the time, there's a part of me that just won't quit. Like there's a part of me that's stubborn. There's a part of me that I I just, I have to see something through when I set my mind to it. I just have to see it through. And if I, if I feel like I've given it all that I can give it and it's Mm -hmm. not working, then it's like, okay. But if there's any evidence that it may slightly be working, even if my work or success isn't as another person's is, it's like, okay, you, at this point, I've been doing what I'm doing for 11 years. Why would I quit now? Or why would I stop now? Now, there may be some other shifts and some pivots that have to happen along the way, but to mm-hmm. totally give up and give in, like I'm already in the game. Mm. Wow. I'm already in the game. Why quit now? <laughs> you mentioned speaking of kind of pivots and shifts that, you know, I guess during your treatment business had to shift. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that. Yes. So at that time, I was still running my business. And honestly, I don't know how, but for the grace of God, like I was still working. I was still in in my bed and and figuring it out. But Mm. business definitely took a shift as far as how I was able to operate and how I was able to run it. When I got tired, I would stop. Like when Mm -hmm. I could not physically go on, to whereas before the diagnosis, I would have pushed and said, okay, I couldn't because I couldn't do it. And so mm. it taught me the inner workings of saying goodbye to being a grindaholic and you don't always have to work, work, work. You don't always have to, you know, do everything. You can stop when you feel like it's necessary to take a break. And that was a really big shift for me because before I remember I would just be exhausted to the point of being in tears because I couldn't fall asleep because I was so tired from working, Mm. working, working, working. Wow. Not only can you stop, you should stop. Yes. Not only can you stop, you should stop. You you would be surprised at how many of our guests have talked about, and I don't know if this is, I don't know if it's race, if it's gender, if it's entrepreneurship, because, you know, many of the folks that have been on the show have been Black women bosses. <laughs> but I don't know what that is about us that, just feels like we just have to go and keep going and work hard and, you know, to the demise of our bodies, of our spirits, like our bodies need rest. It's part of the formula, (laughs) you know, nutrition, exercise, water, rest and sleep. (laughs) And that's difficult, you know, for us. I, I hope that, you know, we're learning that 
it's okay, right? There's no guilt, no shame. And I love that rest is, you know, one of the things that has carried over to you on the other side of the diagnosis um, because it's so critical. Yeah, yeah. And there's a statistic, I don't know it verbatim, but basically it says that for Black women, depression shows up different for us. So mm. when you find yourself working and working and working and working, you don't yeah. even know that you're stressed until you get that final alarm, until you have mm. to go to the high. And, and in my personal opinion, again, don't know the stats verbatim, but I believe that it's because culturally we were taught Okay, I got to feed my family. I have to take care of this person. I have to take care of that person. I have to go, 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 go. Because if I don't go, who's going to go? Who's going to do it? I'm ingrained in us to the point to where we don't even recognize, as you said, that it's to our demise. And then by the time you look up, it's too late because you have exhausted yourself to the point of little to no return. And so now for me, Anytime that I get the opportunity to, you know, be on amazing platforms like this one, I always try to urge whoever is listening that you have to implement some sort of self-care system, some sort of routine into your day-to-day, into Mm -hmm. your monthly, because it's super important, you know, for me... I didn't realize until after I'd gone through, you know, the diagnosis and all of those things. But we're people like we're human beings. We're not not meant to just go and go and go. Yeah. It's like we're people. Turns out I'm a human being. (laughs) (laughs) What is self-care to you? Like, what does that mean? You know, because some people think it's like, you know, getting your hair and nails done and and sure, that could be one aspect of it. But I'm struck by the fact that you say self-care every day. Yeah. So what does that look like for you? Yeah. I recently had a conversation with someone. Getting your hair done for me is work now because you have to make the appointment. <laughs> like you have to do care. It's not. It's not. Listen. But, Trying to rest, getting rest. So even if that means that I start my work day a little bit later because I know that I I needed rest. Um, yeah. Even if it means like, hey, I know that I'm not sleeping my best for whatever reason. Let me take some melatonin for a couple of nights and just relax and tell myself to shut it down. Let me turn mm-hmm. the TV off and just sit. Let me go pray. Like all of these things are a form of self-care that don't involve booking uh, a hair appointment <laughs> for three to five business days. <laughs> That's so good. Like what nurtures and cares for your wellness? You know, those things I, like, you know, turning, getting, logging off the computer, the phone, the TV, right? Getting some vitamin D, stretching the body, you know, nourishing yourself, hydrating, um, r- right, proper sleep, proper rest, um, can be family, friends, hugs, touch, you know, feeding the senses. These are the things that are self-care, stepping away, you know, walking, whatever, whatever is feeding and your wellness, that's self-care. You know, I, 
I was recently finding myself energetically fatigued on a daily basis and just could not, I just was like, you know, I was sleeping, but my rest wasn't good. And so as it turns out, I was anemic and had sleep apnea. And so I was like, oh, right. So going to the doctor, right. Not ignoring the things that are happening in your body, you know, that is critical Whatever, even if it's just a little thing, paying attention to that, getting attention, right? And then, um, so, so, <laughs> so I have a CPAP machine to help me with my sleep, and it definitely works for me. I ha- I had to realize that I was like, really, I'm supposed to travel with this thing because I travel a lot. Yeah, but I don't like. I usually get off my routine when I travel, and so my sister, I was complaining recently when I was home that I was feeling tired. And she's like, well, you haven't slept with your machine, right? And I was like, I brought it, but I don't feel like taking it out. And she was just like, really? Like, <laughs> so you don't feel like getting good rest is what you're saying. And I was Oof. like, I mean, if you put it that way, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, mind your business, you know, <laughs> but that's self-care, yeah. right? So Absolutely. reminding myself, like, it's not an a hassle, ma'am, you need this to be at your best. So make shift happen and serve yourself. I love that. I was going to ask you, because you have a book, right? I do. Thriving Through the Storm. Yes. So what other things are are in there? What other practices or thoughts come up uh, in that book? Yeah. So the book was written mainly as a guide um, for women. I mean, men can read it too, but, you know, I can only share my experiences as a woman, right? And whether you're going through a cancer diagnosis or a divorce or a bankruptcy or anything, I wrote it so that you had a guide as far as being able to help you go through the process and go through the moments. Like I ask you questions. Um, You know, one of the things that I share in the book is that like, I don't have to agree with God to trust him. And for me, Mm. that was like, really, really like when God gave that to me, that was, I was like, Oh, okay. Like I don't have to agree with God to trust him. And And it also talks about saying, you know, really goodbye, uh, as we said earlier, to the grindaholic culture and walks you through some of the things that I wish that someone would have walked me through, like just in me sharing my journey, sharing my story, because I think that it's important for people to understand that thriving is a choice. And that's essentially what the book is about. Thriving is a choice. We can't help what we go through, but we can help how we choose to go through it. And you can either survive or thrive. And Mm -hmm. thriving has to just always be where we start to make the decision. Yes, you know, I had a cancer diagnosis, but it, it does not define who I am. Yes, I went through six months of chemotherapy and I lost my hair, but I still chose to praise God in the middle of it, even though I was still crying at times. Yes, you know, I don't know what the rest of my journey is going to look like, But I do know that with the best and with the rest of whatever I'm given that I can choose to make the most of my days. And so that's what Thriving Through the Storm is all about. 
You know, I love that. And we'll get the information on where folks can get that when we're done here. The other thing I think that's striking me is, you know, there we talk a lot about the, you know, multiple, the differences in the generations. This, however, seems consistent, right? This issue, like you're a younger woman. I got you beat by, you know, a decade plus. I thought it was just, you know, Xers out here and the boomers out here, but apparently that's not true. So that grind culture is carrying, still carrying over. But they tell us, right? Oh no, the, you know, the gen, maybe it's the the Zers and it just ain't made its way to the rest of us yet. But they're like, no, they don't hustle like that anymore, et cetera. But is that, is that skipping over? Cause I mean, are you seeing that as really common in your generation with other young women? Well, so I have this, it's a whole nother podcast episode, right? Oh, shoot. But, uh, <laughs> I have this theory that if you were born between like 1980 and 1990, you mm-hmm. still have a strong get up, get out and get it. Now, if you're okay. 91 on down, it's different. <laughs> it's different. I don't know okay. what happened, okay. but, but it's, it's different. Um, okay. And while I love the thought processes that the younger generation has, I think that there needs to be a marriage between the two because you can't okay. just do an hour worth of research and say you did your job for the day because that's not going to cut it, right? <laughs> you you yeah. have to, and I think that social media also plays a huge role into why things are as they are. I was looking on TikTok the other day and they've come up with this description. It's called jobs for like the lazy girls or something like that. And I'm like, what mm. is this? Like, and so, <laughs> you know, it's a whole thing, but you know, that that's just that's, a theory on that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's actually helpful because I can think of um, I think about my daughter who is 97, I think. And I'm like, no disrespect, but she don't really have a hustle culture for real. <laughs> so it did stop somewhere. <laughs> but I was, you know, I mean, I was just thinking I'm just like, you know, it it's still carried over. Now, I will say, though, while she doesn't necessarily carry it from an employment perspective, which I definitely appreciate because these these job these jobs ain't loyal. I think emotionally, though, you know, and she they the generation still the the you know, younger generation is still carrying a lot of emotional baggage, a lot of emotional hustle. They care a lot about what people think and spend. It's almost like the energy has shifted to that, right? And so that still creates a similar effect in the body and in the brain. (laughs) So we definitely this message of self-care, self-love, self-worth as the priority is critical. Absolutely. For all of us. Yes. <laughs> I think that's the message for all of us. It's critical. 
So, I mean, bring us current. So kind of where are you? Where are you now? You know, how are things now? How's your health? How's the business? What you working on? Yes. Um, so my health is amazing. Um, yeah, my health is amazing. As I said, it's been five years and I just give wow. all glory to God. It's it's amazing. Uh I, of course, you know, I think we all, along with self-care comes exercise. And so that's a part that I'm still working on. But for the most part, all is well uh, with my health. And I'm super excited. Uh, There are a lot of opportunities for growth right now within my business, within clients, and just the different types of clients that we want to start to work with and doing a bit of pivoting in the next couple of months here from the clients that we're currently serving into more of kind of like a corporate type of clientele space. So just excited to dive into that a bit more. And yeah, I also have a new book that will be coming out soon. This one is more geared towards publicity and how entrepreneurs can get seen and get headlines and things like that. So I'm excited about uh, about that next adventure coming up. Nice. We're so happy God left you here with us. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> Is there anything that you think people should know, um, like I said, kind of behind the curtain when um, supporting people? who are going through, you know, a diagnosis like that, what to say, what not to say. I think, you know, I'm sure you know that I'm in the middle of a divorce and or at least at the time of this tape and Lord, please let it be over soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there are so many faux pas, right? And so as a publicist, you know, I'm just like, you know, maybe you have some words of wisdom that people don't necessarily always think about when they are engaging with a coworker or a peer, someone that's not close about, you know, just things to think about because I think it comes up a lot. Yeah, I think that the the biggest piece to share, of course, because we're all human. We all go through things. And I think sometimes we as people forget that the next person, like I'm so busy focused on my thing and then you have your thing, but because I'm so busy focusing on me, I'm not paying attention to how I'm projecting onto you. And so the mm-hmm. biggest piece that I always share is to be kind, right? To, to be aware of other people being in this world. You're not by yourself in the circumstance that you're in, and you're also not by yourself by going through certain circumstances. So being kind, it doesn't hurt to be kind. It doesn't hurt to just say, hey, you know, I may not know the best way to support you through this, but share with me what you will. Let me know how I can help. Maybe you want me to talk. Maybe you want me to take your mind off of it. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just want to sit in silence. I think that the the biggest thing that gets in the way of our friendships and our connections and our relationships is not communicating a need. What do you need? Because I'm too busy trying to give you what I think it is that you need. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that's good. Kindness is key. (laughs) You can never go wrong being kind. You know, you don't have to like take on and, and you can't go wrong asking, you know, I think people are like, Oh, what do you need? I think sometimes that's a hard question. And so, but I think being honest 
right? It's like, I can't think of anything necessarily right now exactly. or being honest, you know what? Peace and quiet, <laughs> a snicker. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, it's like be, I could use, a, you know, a day off. I don't know, <laughs> you know, but it's like trying to carry that responsibility so you got two people not not asking and not telling. So the burden is upon, I think, both right. to be open and honest and just a little more vulnerability in the world doesn't hurt. Agreed. I love that. Thank you so much. Please let the people know where to find you. Yes, you can find me. I am on Instagram at Lindsay. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-A Walker. Um, you can also check out my website. It's www.walkerassocmediagroup.com. Outstanding. We'll be looking for that new book. Yes. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. You've been listening to Talking Shift, the podcast with your host, Marissa Q. Payne. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend, like or subscribe for future episodes, and leave us a review. Talking Shift is a trademark production of Marissa Q. Payne International, your source for coaching and consulting when you need a major shift in life or leadership. For more information, visit MarissaQPayne.com or follow us in social spaces at Marissa Q. Payne.